Welcome to the Duck Pin Podcast with your host, Brian Griffiths. And now, here's Brian. As we approach the 2022 election, we are seeing more and more candidates each day file for office. And some of those offices include the Maryland General Assembly. One of the candidates for the Maryland House of Delegates joins us on this week's episode of the Duck Pin Podcast. And that's Doug Rathel. Doug, thanks for joining us this week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Doug is running in what what is currently District 30A. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But Doug, first and foremost, tell folks a little bit about who you are and why you decided to run for the House of Delegates. Of course. So I am a lifelong Marylander. I grew up in Easton and Talbot County on the Eastern Shore. Um, have a strong agricultural background with that. We had a family farm and then we also had a farm equipment dealership. And I spent a lot of my time there growing up, um, did a lot of outdoor stuff. I kind of got the bug and became a volunteer firefighter um, not long after I graduated high school and um, kind of just dabbled with that a little bit. And then in 2006, I started my career with Annapolis Fire Department, and I've been there since then. And I'm currently at the rank of a lieutenant paramedic uh, at the Eastport Station. Um in the meantime, I kind of started to get into politics a little bit over here and started to make some friends and connections. And I ended up taking the leadership Anne Arundel flagship program in 2015, thanks to a scholarship from the Travis Mannion Foundation. And that really got me involved in our county. I learned all assets, all aspects of Anne Arundel County and all the different departments and you know, really kind of got to meet a lot of people and established a good knowledge base and platform for you know, my future in politics. Um, so I then come around to 2018, I decided to uh, give it a run once I spoke with some of my friends and we realized that there was only like one candidate signed up for that election. So on the last day to file, I, myself and two other gentlemen hopped in and we just kind of bootstrapped it. My wife was on board and uh, my children as well. And we just really as grassroots as it could be, gave it, gave it a run. Uh, talking about wife, I'm married my wife, Brooke, she is a registered nurse. And then we have three children that go to Anne Arundel County Public Schools that have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and an 8-year-old. And um, with that, of course, education is a priority with me because I it directly affects my children and their future, being that they're in public schools. Um, so 18, I was... I was happy with the results for what little time we had and a little bit of money that we raised. Um, I learned a lot from that and uh, we can, I guess, go into that more. Yeah, let's talk about that. You know, I mean, you know, okay. you, you kind of jumped in, like you said, at the very last second and, mm-hmm. you know, for, for people who aren't, don't realize that, you know, that's, that filing deadline is in February and the elections in yes. June and that's only four months to put something together in a race that was already going to be an uphill battle, a race that included, you know, that's a Democratic-leaning district. 
that included mm-hmm. the Speaker of the House, who was, you know, exactly. no offense to anybody else, is gonna, was going to be a shoo-in in that race regardless. Exactly. Um, so, you know, obviously one thing you, you've learned, you've already filed, you've already announced, you're already doing media. That's one thing. It's one of the mm-hmm. best lessons is that there's never too early in politics. There's only too late, um, which exactly. sometimes you learn that the hard way, which I think, I think you might have mm-hmm. to an extent. What else did you learn from that race? I mean, obviously, um, you know, as, as we grow older, we realize that failure is the best teacher. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so what are some of those things that, that you learned that you're working to improve upon as you make a second run for the house? Yeah, so the one of the biggest things I learned is that there's never enough time, <laughs> um, you know, especially with that only having the four months to go. Um, yeah, we were just at it all day and all night my wife and my children and I and a few volunteers and friends and family. And um, it just seemed like there was never enough time to get to every event, to go to all the communities happenings. And um, then also just working on getting the endorsements and really getting the fundraising because being new at all this, um, that was kind of one of the harder aspects I encountered was actually getting the donations and getting the funds because I'm not used to just asking for money from people. So um, that was that that was definitely one of the harder things. So I've been working on improving that this go round. That way I can have a little bit better presence. Um, and I'm working on building out a campaign team. We're in the process of that now as well because last time it was really just my wife and I and some friends that were involved in the Republican Party that we're just kind of offering to help here and there. So I'm really trying to get a nice solid foundation this go around. That's why I started early like this. Um, and with, as you said, one of the seats was held by the speaker and that was going to be a shoe in. And uh, so that seat was pretty much written off to begin with. So all of us were going after one seat. And one of the things that I really liked out of it, was that you always see everything on TV, read about in the paper, any type of media about how Republicans and Democrats are just like this. But at the events and at the few little debates that we had in community forums, we were all friends. I made friends with many of the people on the Democratic side and still text and talk to them now, um, which would be unheard of, you would think, with the way everything is read. Um, that we were all in it for the good of the community, really, all those candidates, I thought. Yeah, I think people and, forget how different this level of politics is from the absolute excrement show that we see down in Washington on a daily exactly. on a daily basis. Exactly, yeah, this is for the community. That's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to get into it in, from the get-go is that you know people call – in my career, people are calling at the worst day of their life and they're expecting myself and my fellow brothers and sisters to come there and improve the situation. And while we're doing that, we get to notice a lot of the needs of our community and we're in all the different areas and we really get that. I really have gotten that um, background in really seeing what our community needs. And that's one of the things I feel I have to offer is that, you know, I know Annapolis better than most candidates, I would say. 
um, because I'm out there every every shift, you know, going to people's houses, going to different buildings, offices. I can, if you can name a street, I can tell you where it is in a cross street. And I know that makeup, which I think being a public servant already, this is just kind of the next level of community service. Well, let's talk about that, you know, especially considering Annapolis is part of District 30A as it currently is comprised. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have, we also see there are Annapolis elections this year. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to get you in trouble with that since you're a city employee, <laughs> but you've seen some of the things that go on, um, you know, in the city of Annapolis, you mentioned that, you know, you've seen the good and the bad. And a lot of that you know, is state policy coming down, whether it's, you know, as exactly. much, a lot of what goes on, you know, at the state house, you know, a lot of, you know, um, you know, a lot of money rolling downhill. A lot of the state offices in Annapolis, and and there's there's tension between the state and the city and the county when it mm-hmm. comes to that. So tell people, you know, from your perspective, you know, what are some of the issues that Annapolis in particular is facing that you think you can address as a delegate? I would like to improve the education system in Annapolis, um, where we live. In Arnold, just on the outskirts, we're very lucky that our children go to Arnold Elementary, which is a national and state blue ribbon school. And this whole broad neck district is a very uh, highly regarded district in our county. And if you look at the Annapolis schools, they aren't there. Uh, there's a few here and there, but they they aren't at the same level, which to me, being in the same county, I just don't see how that's not achievable when we have the same superintendent, the same board of education, you know, it's, we can all work together. I feel like, and maybe work on securing some funding or looking into different training or something just to kind of rehab our educational system, because um, these are going to be the next leaders of our country. And especially now with COVID and the hybrid education and all of that stuff, um, it's, really set the children back to an extent. Our kids are lucky that we both were shift work. So we're able to be home with them and really kind of ping pong between three different workstations all day long. Um, But there's other kids that don't have that opportunity. And I've seen a lot of that in in Annapolis. So education is a big thing. Um, Then one of the other things that I've really come to notice, which I am very interested in trying to pursue is, a term limit in the elected offices because like we said uh, speaker bush not talking bad about him or anything he did great things for our state for our county but with somebody like him holding office for 30 40 years there's a very good chance that somebody else with a great idea is being silenced and not having that chance to speak their voice and give out their great opinions Uh, and you know, we're a small enough community that you know, I think there's a very good makeup of different people that are interested or will would be interested if they knew they had a better chance to actually get elected into office. And you know, I've seen that just with our state legislation and then with, of course, all the craziness in D.C. is people, a lot of people just plan on getting in and then that's their ride until the grave, which, you know, I'd, I like to see other people in you know, get a chance and everything. And I commend the um, Republican delegation for doing that with Nick and with Kathy, you know, kind of passing the torch on to Mr. Jason Buckle and uh, 
yeah, I think that's that's exactly what I want to say. And then also with things I've seen in our district is with COVID, the pandemic has um, kind of squashed or put the epidemic of opioids on the back burner completely. We don't hear anything about that anymore. Nobody talks about it. Um, you know, it's very, very little, very little news about that, but it still goes on. I still see it very often. And um, our county under Executive Shu started the safe station program where, you know, anybody with any opioid addictions could come into any firehouse or police station and seek help. And it was a judgment-free zone. The county mobile crisis would come into the station and work on an intake and get them placed and get them help through a rehab facility or program. And it's had really good results. Um, I would like to try and see if we could make something like that more of a statewide opportunity for people. I know in some of the rural areas, um, there may not be a staff at the fire department all the time, but there's a police station or somewhere where we could work something in to make this really happen. Um, because recently we've, the Anne Arundel County has opened it up to, you know, just almost addictions in general with people that want help. And we've seen a wide variety of people with different issues that they're trying to overcome. And it seems to work. It's we ourselves learn a lot about the issues when we can sit there and talk to somebody, excuse me, turn my lights back on. Hold on one second. <laughs> Alexa, turn on office. Okay. Don't mind that little plug for Amazon. <laughs> um, so it's nice talking to people when they're not overdosed, when they're seeking for help and trying to, you know, get on the men to see what that real struggle is. And uh, it's, it's there still, and it still exists. And I'd like to see us, you know, strengthen that up across the state. Obviously um, you mentioned education and, mm-hmm. The schools that you're talking about in Annapolis that are struggling, they're the same kind of schools that the Democrats are talking about when it comes to the Kerwin Commission funding and how increased funding is going to improve those schools. Um, mm-hmm. You know, There's a lot of evidence that says that's, that's not actually going to work out. So I'll mm-hmm. just take your you – know, I'll just ask you. I mean you, you kind of come at this from two different perspectives. One is a Republican but also, as you said, somebody who works in the city of Annapolis and going into these schools and seeing what these communities look like. What is your opinion on the Kerwin Commission recommendations and whether or not they would actually improve schools like the ones they are designed to help in the city of Annapolis? Yeah, I I agree. I don't know how effective they would actually be. Um, I think that with one of the big things to improve the schools in the Annapolis area and even throughout the county where they're struggling a little bit, I think would be to just kind of have more community involvement, have more community events at the schools and really make it a vested interest for the people that live in those areas and make the kids be proud to go there and uh, really just kind of incentivize all that. Um, yeah, I don't know about, I don't I personally don't know about dumping a whole lot of money into it is really going to change anything. It, it could just make a nice looking school, but it's what's it's the bones that are inside that counts. It's the staff, it's the students. Um, so I'd really like to try and see that whole experience just kind of um, 
more of a community experience like it is here. I know, you know our school, we have a very community feel there. And I'd like to kind of see that same thing in the rest of the county. I'm not just focusing on Annapolis, but you know, all throughout the county, there's schools that need some help. One of the things we talked about Speaker Bush earlier, and there's been a lot of mm-hmm. change in your district since 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, Speaker Bush passed away. Alice Kane kind of walked mm-hmm. away, but almost less, almost barely a year into the job. A lot more is going to change. We know redistricting is going to change things, and we, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's going to move those borders in one way or another. Um, you know, and, and, and it may be single member districts. Hopefully it'll be single member mm-hmm. districts. And, and that obviously changes, changes the calculus as well. How much, if at all, has redistricting played in your decision to run again? Is it playing into your strategy and how difficult is it for you as a candidate, somebody who is not an incumbent to kind of plan out which way you're going to go with this, with your campaign without knowing exactly what your district is going to look like? So one of the lucky things that I feel with 30A right now is, um, and this is in no disrespect to the two ladies that are there right now, but they were both appointed. So this is really going to be a, it, it's going to be a first election, you know, for, it's not going to be a re-election. They're really not incumbents. Their names haven't been on the ballots for those spots before. So um, I feel like we're kind of all having a, little bit better chance this go round with those two seats if it stays that way just because um you know the speaker's not holding one of them and we're all kind of newer fresh names so far i mean who knows what will happen as that february deadline approaches but um i like that with it and then as for with the redistricting um i'm focusing on the current district because who knows what's going to happen? There's really no uh, true idea. Of course, there's a lot of people that think it's going to go this way or that way. Um, but, but I think the single member districts would be more uh, fair and a better representation of that district where if you have, you know, like 40,000 people to one or whatever representatives versus um, like that whole 38, 60-ish thousand voters with the two, you know, those people have two people they can go to talk to where the other people only have one person they can go to talk to. So it kind of makes that a little bit more fair across the board. Um, And also just for campaigning and really being out on the streets and door knocking and kind of getting through that whole process when you're, when it's more of a smaller community versus, you know, the, the broad cut up six zig excuse me zigzag patterns that a lot of the districts are right now um i would i would expect that something would come out of the redistricting with where i am and i'm not sure if i would if it would stay with the annapolis or not Um, just geographically you know you would think the peninsula would be one thing and well both peninsulas the broad neck and annapolis would be kind of their own things um but yeah, I don't know if it'll be a 33 thing because as I look across my street right now, I'm looking at District 33. <laughs> um, my side is 30A across the street is 33. So um, it's it's just how that works. It's, there's no real rhyme or reason. Um, 
to us newer people you know, on how the districts were cut up like that. Trust me, for all those of us who've been doing this for 20 years, a lot of times there's no rhyme or reason either. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just so, a lot of I think I, a lot of partisan partisan hoopla. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I would really love to know sooner than later, of course, um, just for the planning and all that stuff. But um, my plan right now is to really kind of start here and just kind of branch out, start from my house and branch out in that area. That way I, you know, cover the, as much as I can. Um, but I mean, by the time it gets all approved and goes through the courts or whatever, if it ends up there, I mean, it could easily be February or something like that. Or yeah. I mean, at this point it's going to, it's so. going to be, it's going to be almost at the filing deadline. I think by the time anything gets approved, yeah. which is going to be, which is going to delay the filing deadline, but that's uh, exactly. that's a conversation for exactly. another day. Um, if folks exactly. want to want to reach out, get in touch with you, learn more about your campaign, how can they do that? So uh, you can check out my website, which is www.electdougraffle.com. Uh, I also have a Facebook page under Elect Doug Raffle. Also, an Instagram it's under Elect Doug. Um, you can uh, also. What else? I have Twitter under Elect Doug, and then also uh, you can call the campaign phone number, which is four four three three zero five nine two three zero, and then I also have um, a uh, PO box as well at the Arnold Post Office, which is number I just opened it, so it's number three forty two. <laughs> so PO box three four two Arnold Maryland two ten twelve. If you want to send something via mail, it might get there before the election. Doug Rathel, the Republican candidate for uh, the House of Delegates in District 30. Thanks for joining us on this week's show. Thanks, Brian. This has been the Duckpin Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and download.